talked last Sunday night about preparing for the glory. I didn't know I was going to talk about preparing for the glory. I actually prepared a message called, uh, uh, Why All the Hassle? And uh, I know we're going to get to that eventually, Why All the Hassle? But, uh, you know, just wanted to talk about why the devil opposes us and different things. And and, uh, we know he does that because uh, he hates Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. And we look like Jesus. When he sees us, he sees Jesus. He can't tell the difference because that's who we are on the inside. And so he opposes us. So I won't have preached that message. That kind of sums it up. No, <laughs> praise God. But anyway, just kind of got off last Sunday night in the, in the move of the Holy Ghost and talked about, uh, they didn't know what to title it, but I told them, well, I, 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 it was preparing for the glory. That's what it was. We were getting prepared for the glory. And we know that we're living in a very special time, that this month, April, we're in April now, uh, that we um, uh, are at the 100th anniversary of the Azusa Street outpouring. And uh, I don't, I'm not saying that that's a, a significant thing, but it does seem that God works in cycles and does things uh, along those lines. And uh, uh, I know in uh, Brother, help me, the guy, Parham, Brother Parham in uh, at the outpouring around the turn of the century, right at really actually 1901, uh, right after midnight, 1901, going right into this century, well, or not this century now, we're in a different one, but in that last century, going into it, well, um, the Holy Ghost was poured out in Topeka, Kansas, and Brother Parham prophesied that 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 was, he said, this is the latter rain. And in about a hundred years, the, the, we'll have the former and the latter rain together. And so uh, the, the men of God, the women of God, are uh, really believe that this hundredth anniversary of Azusa Street is significant. But it, it, it's no matter if it has anything to do with Azusa Street or not. We know that we're at the culmination of the times. And so we know that God has promised throughout His Word that things would happen uh, that things would start to happen um, in the, at the end times, that things would happen at the end times that didn't happen at any other time. Uh, there would be increase of things. And the prophets down through the years, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied about uh, at, the, at the end of the age, right before Jesus came back. Um, um, uh, Sister Wilkerson, one of the prophets that... that uh, Brother Hagin looked to, prophesied at the end of the age, right before Jesus comes back, things that would happen. Brother Hagin prophesied about 2006. And he, and when he prophesied about 2006, he said, uh, he got over in the spirit and he began to say, we could read that tonight, but we won't take the time. He began to say, he, oh, 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 oh. And you know, my, 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 my. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And he would laugh and he said, oh, you couldn't, you, how would you explain it? You can't even, t- you can't even explain it, but it'll be glorious. And he began to talk about 2006. And he himself said of that prophecy that he gave, he gave it in 2003, Winter Bible Seminar. He talked about 2004, 2005. Then he talked about 2006. And he said of himself, I haven't had an anointing like this since 1964. That's what he said of himself. I have not had this kind of anointing since 1964. And we know that throughout the years, Brother Hagin had prophesied often about um, um, what would happen right before Jesus came back, but he never put a year to it until he prophesied in 2003 at Winter Bible Seminar. He prophesied about it. And then when he got to September 
uh, he went on to be with the Lord in September of 2003. He went on to be with the Lord. Brother uh, Roar Roberts has already said that this year he will go to be with the Lord. This year. I mean, that's what he's, he's telling. And he's inviting people, uh, ministers that he knows, to come to California to his house. And he's bringing them into his house and talking to them and telling them things about what he knows and what he, uh, you know, and he's imparting to these people before he leaves. So that's what he's saying, that he will leave this year, Brother Oral Roberts. And um, hallelujah, praise God. So God's doing some things, amen. God's on the move, hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> so praise God, it's so important that we be ready for the glory here at Word of Life Church. I know over in 1 Corinthians, we read this in the prayer room tonight. So if you'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. One of the things, I, and I don't even know where I got this. I'm, I'm sure I heard somebody say it some past some years ago. And, uh, but anyway, whenever I heard somebody say it, I latched on to this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter, beginning in verse 5, but we'll read on down. And really the verse I want to go to is verse 7. But beginning in verse 5, it says that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that's always been really important to me is to be in on what God's doing. I don't want to be left behind, so to speak. Not just speaking of left behind in the rapture, but I don't want to be left behind. If God's doing anything in the earth, I want to know about it. For so many years, I was a little Baptist girl, and our family, I've told you this before, I believe, but we got left behind. We didn't know, we didn't even, I, I know as I was growing up, I didn't even so much as know that there was, any, that there was anything about a move of God. Never heard anything about anything like that. You know, never knew anything about revival. To me, revival was something that we did about twice a year for a week where you had a guest speaker in. And you know, if two or three people got saved, you thought you'd had a windjammer of a revival. And that was good, too. I mean, we're glad people get saved. But that was as far as, that was as broad as our knowledge went of revival. And that had no earthly idea, didn't really, had heard of Oral Roberts, but had really no clue who he, is, what, who he was or what he did. Had heard of, uh, never had even heard of Catherine Kuhlman or anybody like that. Anybody that was uh, moving in the earth. Remember in, not, in the 60s, no, no, it would have been... Actually, it would have been in the 70s, early 70s. Heard somebody talk about charismatic, and we like, what is that? And I remember my dad saying something about it. Oh, her mother is charismatic. And I'm like, I never heard of that. Well, what is that? And, you know, didn't know anything about the gifts of the Spirit. My grandmother got baptized in the Holy Ghost, though. She was seeking God. This was back in the 60s. Uh, no, 70s. This would have been in the 70s, uh, early 70s. She was seeking God. Actually, it would have been real early 70s. I'm not sure. But I, she was out on the ranch. My, her and my grandfather lived on a ranch. And she was seeking God, hungry for God, just seeking Him, and got slain in the Spirit and began to speak in tongues all by herself and didn't know what happened to her. Didn't, you know, had no reference point for it. And... Uh, it, 
you know, then you start listening, though, for things once you get that. And she began to listen and then heard wind of full gospel businessmen's meetings in Abilene. And she began to go those and drag my grandfather. And my grandfather's a Baptist deacon. And he persecuted her greatly, even locked her in a closet one time because, you know, she was going to embarrass him in the Baptist church and so forth. And I remember when I was, you know, I guess I had, was driving. So it was sometime I was in high school, but after I learned to drive, we were, I was driving him into Abilene, Texas. I don't even remember what for out from the ranch and he said to me he said Debbie what are we gonna do with your grandmother she has gone crazy she is crazy and you know and I'm like oh I don't know you know I was th thinking about you know that kind of stuff then it's like I was thinking about Michael Billings that's all I was thinking about I had him on my mind hallelujah and I was like praying really I would pray oh I, you know because I thought you as Baptists we thought Jesus was going to come back soon didn't want him to because didn't really think we'd make the cut you know, and so it was like, oh, I don't want Jesus to come back until I get to marry Michael Billings, you know, and so because that was like my whole life's goal was to marry him, and I got to, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, and uh, praise God, <laughs> and so I sure didn't, wasn't thinking about my grandmother being crazy, but I did think she was a little strange, because you know, I've told you, because she began to do some strange things. She had, you know, Ross talks about the cross, and I'm going, that I didn't know anybody else did that, but Granny Hicksy, you know, the, but she had one of those nail head crosses. It was that long and that wide, had it on a chain around her neck. You know, it was made out of like nails that you, that they drive into masonry nails. Anyway, she had one of them around her neck, which that was a little strange. But the really strange part is she had one of the, a canvas purse. And my grandmother was an artist and she bought this canvas purse and she painted she wrote Jesus she, with paint. She painted the word Jesus on the side. She had a Jesus purse. Now you talk about embarrassing. I mean, <laughs> hallelujah. And she was really a little strange after she got filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. For a while, she seemed really strange to us. Mm. And she, oh, we all, our family played cards. Anytime we had a family get together, and you know a lot of times when you first get with, filled with the Holy Ghost, you go off the deep end. You know, and so we've always played. I don't know if y'all ever heard of the, a game called Pitch. Anybody ever hear of Pitch? We played Pitch. That was our family game. The Sanders family, that, that her side was Sanders. We all played Pitch when you got together. And so uh, Granny wouldn't play cards anymore. She would not play cards with us anymore. Well, her 12 brothers and sisters thought that was really strange. You know, oh, they were... They thought that was really weird. And, and my grandmother was very outspoken. God came by that naturally. So there were, there was, there were fights over religion. And uh, my dad was backslid. He was a Christian, but he was a backslid Christian. And we went about once a month to Granny and Grand Grand's house. And, and mother would say, please don't make your mother ball while we're there. Because they would, my, my daddy and my grandmother would get into it. Because she had to say her piece about him being backslid. And he, you know, some, you know, it was just always something. And so they would yell at each other and Granny would cry. And, you know, and, and it was just always just this mess, you know. And uh, so they would even... Her brothers and sisters, she would get in. And the Sanders family are all real outspoken anyway. They all say they're mine. They all cry real easy. They're all, re oh, it's loud. I mean, they're all real loud. They talk loud. You could hear my grandmother talking on the phone if you were standing across the room. You know, if I was talking to her, you'd have heard her over there. James Carrington could have heard her. And, uh, 
and hallelujah and uh, and her whole family was like that all her sisters were like that and I mean they would get into it and I know Michael it scared him because he comes from a family you shove everything under the rug you don't talk about anything if you're mad you hold a grudge for 25 years but you don't talk about it that's his family and so him her granny and her sisters would and Michael would get scared and he would start getting the trash when we first got married he'd go get all the trash gathered up in the house and he would go empty trash <laughs> we got, and then you know but granny and her sisters were like this they would be yeah, before he could get back in into church with the trash though they'd be laughing and cutting up with each other because they, they you know they would because they just you know they spoke it but they got over it real easy they really did love each other so you know all this is going on in our family but we i i, I don't i was out to lunch my family my mom and dad were out to lunch concerning any kind of move of god in the earth so ever since we got baptized in the holy ghost in 1980 through a series of events that we won't go into tonight even though before I knew this scripture, it's been my heart. It's like, God, if you're doing something, I won't know about it. And not only do I want to know about it, I want to be in on it. I don't want to miss out on anything. I mean, if you know, if God's... And so uh, we've just been always kept our ear to the ground of what's going on. Even as pastors in Seminole, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but... Um, and we got wind back in the early 90s that God was doing something. We heard people were laughing in services, just rolling under chairs and laughing. And we heard people were dancing in the Holy Ghost and had no frame of reference for that. Even though we were filled with the Spirit, we now we'd heard Brother Hagin's tapes about lady dancing in the Holy Ghost and dancing off the end of the altar rail into midair. And, you know, we heard all those tapes. But, you know, if I, I couldn't, I didn't know how anybody would dance in the Holy Ghost. I didn't even know how you'd go about it. I didn't know what it looked like. But I remember thinking, oh, God, we want it. We're hungry. We want it. And, you know, when you are determined not to be left behind, you're not left behind. And so we were determined. So I remember Patrick Norris. Y'all remember him, some of you that, you know, he used to be a traveling minister, but now he's a pastor, so we don't ever see him anymore. He's in Kansas City. But anyway, uh, uh, he came to our church in Seminole and he preached on and talked about uh, the move of the Holy Ghost and what was happening. And, and, you know, we didn't even know any of the Holy Ghost songs that they were singing. And I remember he tried, but he wasn't musical at all. It was, it was a bad attempt to get us to sing. I remember he tried to teach us, I've got joy like a river. Joy that I can't explain. And he tried to teach us that. And it's like, we just weren't catching and, you know, he would say, now, you know, if, if when I pray for you, just dance in the Holy Ghost if you want to. But I couldn't figure out what to do. You know, it's like I didn't know how to dance in the Holy Ghost. So I did, I'd never seen anybody, so I didn't know what to do. But one Sunday morning after he left, because I was believing God, oh, God, we want to dance in the Holy Ghost. We want to laugh. And I was believing God, and, and I remember we were, I was going down the prayer line praying for people. And I came to this lady named Carol Rodriguez. And I was praying. I remember this as clear as a bell. I was praying for Carol Rodriguez, and, and I believe it was for healing. And I just got excited, and I kind of moved my feet. I don't know what I did. And when I did, the Holy Ghost hooked on to him. And my feet were doing, they were going like that. And it wasn't all me, you know, it was the Holy Ghost. And I remember thinking when I was through, when I went, it didn't last but for a minute, but I thought, wow, that was neat. Because the Holy Ghost had gotten hooked into my feet. See, you've got to do a little stepping first before the Holy Ghost will hook in. 
And so the Holy, so that was my first experience with with uh, being filled with with being dancing in the Holy Ghost. And Pastor and 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 brother Pastor Don Kaywood from Odessa, Texas, and uh, Pastor David Swan from Clovis, New Mexico. And I don't, I and I think one one of the guys on staff, I think it was Dan Borwick, who is on staff at Clovis and used to be on staff in Odessa. They all went to Tulsa to was it Winter Bible? Yeah, it was Winter Bible. And it is notoriously cold in Tulsa on Winter Bible. It's just like the devil knows it's Winter Bible week, so he sends the coldest weather of the week, of the year, to Tulsa, uh, you know, if the devil can send weather. And, you know, anyway. And, you know, and so there's these long, 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 long lines. And, and spring comes very early in West Texas, earlier than Alabama. Spring starts about February. We start wearing our spring clothes in February in West Texas. A lot of times the trees bloom. But, you know, it always comes back in and frosts on them. But, but you know, really we get spring a lot earlier in West Texas, or we did. And so uh, Dan, he just brought short sleeve shirts to Winter Bible and no coat. He about froze to death. I mean, it was bad, and because they have you have to stand out in line about two hours to get in the building, and uh, and so that some of this laughing stuff was starting to go on, and I don't know if they actually preached on it because I wasn't there. Pastor said I could not ever go to Winter Bible because I wasn't tough enough, and so I've never gotten to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tough enough, that's what he said, to stand outside in, in that weather to wait to get in. Uh, <clears throat> so, I'm going to go when we're like normal and we have reserved seating. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, <clears throat> that may be in the millennium. <laughs> anyway, um, so they went, after a meeting, they got in the car to go back to the hotel room. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost came in this van that they were in, and they started laughing and couldn't quit. All these preachers are sitting in the van. They can't drive or can't do nothing because they're just laughing. Ha, 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 ha. You know, just laugh, 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 laugh. So God got, God began to get us in these things. And, you know, we began to hear that Rodney Howard Brown had been to uh, uh, Rhema Bible Training Center and uh, in Rhema Bible Church. And, and, and so God made a way. It, that the first part of that year was January of 95. By that time, the Lord said, told Pastor, he said, I want you to hook up with three men. I want you to hook up with Scott Webb, Patrick Norris, and Mark Brzee. Well, we didn't really know Scott Webb or Mark Brzee. We didn't know Patrick Norris. And so, well, we heard, uh, so, you know, we, I don't know if we called her, but I think we heard through Colin that Mark Brzee was going to be in San Angelo, Texas, which was about three or four hours from us. And so we just took off and we all went to San Angelo, Texas. I think Myron and Leanne went and a bunch of, uh, uh, of some of uh, the people that were on staff with us went. And, and we went, and Mark Brzee, he got, you know, it got, it, he got iced in in Dallas and couldn't get to San Angelo. So the first night, I mean, it was something, I don't know what we had, but it wasn't good. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we were like, so hungry, oh God, oh God, we want Mark to come, please send Mark, oh God, we're so hungry. I mean, we were like that. We were just like that. And this meeting was really squirrely. It was in some sort of auditorium, and some squirrely dentist was hosting it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't hosted by a church, and it was just weird, you know, the whole thing. But Mark and Janet finally came to this meeting. And so Mark, Mark gets up, and he starts preaching on this move of the Holy Ghost. And, man, we were just like, oh, we were just. And, you know, everybody else in the room was kind of indifferent to it. Everybody else was just, but we're just like. And you know what happens when you're a preacher? You just gravitate to whoever's pulling. And so we're just, I mean, we're just pulling it. I mean, we're just, oh my word, oh God, oh God, we're so hungry. We want this move of the Holy Ghost. We want to be in on this. And so we just are pulling. 
Well, uh, we're supposed to go home after the Saturday morning meeting because we're preaching the next morning. And we said, we ain't, we're not going. We're not going. We're spending another night. We got us another night at the Holiday Inn, and we stayed another night. And we said, man, we're going to have to get up 4 o'clock in the morning to get to church uh, the next morning. But we, it was worth it. And we just kept staying. And so finally, you know, Mark, he, we're pulling on him, and he calls us out, and he gives us a prophecy about, he actually prophesies about us moving, but it's so veiled, nobody else would know it. We didn't even know it. He said, your vision's going to be begin to, to change in three way, two or three ways or something. And we're like, what in the world does that mean? You know, and we, but we prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, you know, and but anyway, we're just pulling, pulling, pulling. And man, I tell you, we're, God's just moving on us. I, it was just a concrete floor. But I, was, I, I, I said, I mopped the floor with my dress. I was all over that floor about, you know, I was. With, I, just, I, I mean, that dress was just nasty by the time we got through because, I mean, I was slain in the spirit every way there was to be slain, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, you know, but I want, you, there's something about wanting to be in on what God's doing. And, and, and uh, uh, this lady, what was her name? Jeanette Suggs. She was at this meeting. Well, I don't think we'd ever met her before. But she noticed us. She was Raymond grad. And she came up to us and she said, you know, Smith Wigglesworth says, when you're in faith, God will jump over a million people to get to you. And that's exactly what's happened to y'all at this meeting. God jumped over everybody here just to get to y'all because y'all were the ones in faith here. And so, every, so, so at some point I heard this scripture that you would fall behind, verse 5, that in every, no, verse 7, so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know whenever I heard it, I didn't hear it exactly like that. It may have been a different version. But it said that you fall behind in no good thing as you waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in my heart, all these years has been, I don't want to fall behind in any good thing. If God's doing anything in the earth, go, oh God, I want you to do it here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in Word of Life Church. And Lord, if it means moving to Alabama, I'll move, but I want to be in on the move of God. I don't want to be like I was in the 60s where, God, where the Holy Ghost is being poured out in the charismatic movement and we're, I don't know what we're doing, piddling around in Seagraves, Texas, doing nothing. Bored to the bone with life, you know, except for being in love with in being in love. But outside of that, we were bored. I mean, you know, spiritually we were bored. Spiritually we were bored to the bone, and uh, uh, I don't want to be there anymore. So if God's doing something, so I've been pulling on God, and I'm pulling on Him now that I want whatever He's doing in the earth. I want Him to do it here. And if we have to go somewhere to import it, we'll import it. If we have to have a speaker in, we're praying, oh God, if, give us the right speaker. If he's doing it in the earth, you know we want him to do it. So we want to have his glory, but when you want to have his glory, you have to prepare for his glory. And there's certain things that you have to do. There's atmospheres that will create more glory. Hallelujah. That will allow God to move. There's atmospheres that will keep God, keep God from moving. And one of the things that really keeps God from moving, uh, it, it, well, sin will keep God from moving in your midst. Because I, I heard Miss Gloria say this, and I think she said it better than I'd ever heard it a couple of weeks ago. She said, you know, when the glory comes, it's a double-edged sword. It'll either help you or hurt you. The glory will either help you or hurt you when it's there. The reason Ananias and Sapphira died is because they lied to the Holy Ghost during an outpouring. If they had lied to the Holy Ghost like it was here two years ago here, nothing would have happened. 
You know how I know that? Because a lot of people have lied to the Holy Ghost in our church. A lot of people have lied to us. A lot of people have lied from the pulpit. A lot of people have just lied, period, and nothing happened. I mean, there's a, a man in this town told us, Pastor, pray for me. I've got a um, million-dollar deal going to come through. And, and I, oh, Pastor, when I get that, I'm going to tithe. And, Pastor, we're going to pay off this. We're going to buy us a church building. I don't think we had this one then. And we're going to do all sorts of things. And you know what? You know that he told us that? And did you know when that million-dollar deal, it did come through, but right before it did, he changed churches so he wouldn't have to. He did. Because, see, he had to go somewhere where he hadn't said that. Hallelujah. So talk about, I mean, but when you lie to the Holy Ghost or when you uh, are in sin, when there's, fixed, when there's an outpouring, now, if you're a baby Christian... But I'm talking about if you have, if you know better. I mean, there's babies that are like, okay, you know, just do what you want to. And you're not one of them. You're not one of them. There's nobody in this church that right now, that's the, and you can't qualify. Now, there might have been some there. I know there was probably some here this morning. Hallelujah. That didn't know that. So Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the Holy Ghost during an outpouring. During, the, during a time of glory, and it cost them their lives. And so one of the things that will help, you know, God is so good, though. He, he doesn't want people to die because of the glory. He doesn't want people to have bad experiences because of the glory. And so he will work with people, and he will try to get them right. And he will even, you know, he is even good enough that he will try to move them out of the church because they're in sin and the glory's coming and he don't want the glory to hurt them. Because I want to tell you something, the glory's coming to this church. Amen. The glory's coming to Word of Life Church. I can tell you it's coming. We've asked for it to come. We've prayed for it to come. God can't refuse us because we've asked according to his will. We have what we ask because we asked according to his will. Hallelujah. And, and the glory's coming to this church. And so God's been having to do some stuff in these days because the glory's coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and so we, it's, it's, we need to get ready. We need to create atmospheres. We need to get ourselves personally ready for the glory. We need to clean up anything that we need to clean up. We need to make sure we're walking in love. I know I've had to make some adjustments lately concerning the love walk because any step out of love is a step into sin. You know, we're not talking adultery here, we're not, but we're just talking about not walking in love. Uh, not, not walking in love towards our brothers and sisters in Christ and towards um, uh, our fellow man. And we've had, I know I've been making some adjustments concerning the love walk. And, 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 some, and actually, sometimes it's kind of like you're kind of doing that all day, every day, repenting and, oh, Father. And it's important that we stay, that we repent when, we, when, we, when we've taken a step out of love. In our thoughts, or in our actions, or in our words, hallelujah, and that we walk in love towards one another, and that we walk in love towards the kingdom of God. And it's so important that we love the kingdom, and that we, that, you know, that we don't work against God in His kingdom. You know, it's not a very smart thing to, to, be, uh, to be working against God. You know, uh, I think we've heard them say, people say it before, if you can't put it in drive, at least put it in neutral. Hallelujah. But it's not real good to be in reverse or in park. It's not a real good place either. But, you know, um, this January when we were at, well, at, not Winter Bible, but Brother Copeland's minister conference, here's something that I heard said, and I think it's really important. It said, if it is to be, it's up to me. 
If it is to be in your life, it's up to you. If it is to be in this church, it's up to us. Amen? God's, just, God's, just, uh, God's not just going to do it. But it's really up to us individually if we have a mighty move of God here in this church. And, and, and I'm, I, I, we are going to have one. Um, <clears throat> one of the things Mac Hammond said at the January conference was that a prerequisite for a move of God is concord, harmony, and unity. That that would be a prerequisite for a move of God. And he said that the ones who are in concord, harmony, and unity will be the ones in greatest participation in this last and final move of God in the church age. In other words, we, if, you are in, if you are in one accord, if you are in harmony, if you are in unity, hallelujah, that you would be a greater participant in these last days. I don't want the glory to have to push me away to keep from killing me. I don't want the glory to have to push me back and say, you know, to keep from killing me. I, you know what I'm saying? God loves us, and He wants to bless us, and he can, but He can only bless us as far as we'll let Him, as far as we'll cooperate with Him and cooperate with His Word. You know, in John 2.10, it says that Jesus, Jesus laid down a principle in John 2.10. He started His ministry off with a principle. In, in John 2, it's, it's talking about where He turned the water into the wine at the wedding of Cana. And you know, we know what happened is he, he, uh, his mother actually said, uh, do what he says. Whatever he says to do, you do it. And so he said, well, uh, go get those water pots and fill them with water. And then he turned that water into wine. And so he sent it to the governor of the feast. And the governor tasted it and he said, wow. He said, uh, he said, you know, most people at a wedding, they serve the good wine first, and then when people are so drunk they don't care, he, they serve the, the, the cheap wine. And, uh, but he said, you've saved the best until last. And God was laying down a principle that he's saving the best for us until the very last. Amen. Things are just getting better and better. And so the best is yet to come. Uh, uh, <clears throat> turn in Joel chapter 2, verse 23, I want us to look at some things. We're preparing for the glory. One of the ways we prepare for the glory is to expect it. You know, you're not going to have the glory to a very strong degree if you're just bogged down in life and you're not looking for it. And you're not because you'll be like I was in the 1960s and the uh, and the and the 1970s. You know, just 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 in life. I was just in life. I was just living life like everybody else in Seagraves, Texas, lived life. I was just going to school. I was going to church. I was going to church. I was, in fact, when I started dating Michael Billings, I even started going more because his family went to church uh, on Sunday night too. My family never went on Sunday night. My family, uh, actually, uh, he was a very good influence on my family. I can't find Joel. Y'all help me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I know that much. I'm, that, I'm in the vicinity. <laughs> Joel, Joel 2. I found it. Joel 2, verse 23. Well, I'm trying to talk and turn at the same time. Anyway, um, you know, we were just living life. Just going to school, going to church, uh, going to the basketball games, going to the football games, going to the baseball games, going to the movie, you know, just going to the show, going here, going there, doing your homework, just not a thought towards the things of God. And it was missing us. It was bypassing us. 
Amen? It's been bypassing people in Seagraves, Texas. It's still bypassing them. It is moving all around them, but it, you know, it's like, duh, you know. And so it, one of the things that we can do to be prepared for the glory is to be expecting it and to be hungering for it. God knows you want something, he'll get it to you. The Bible says that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, what? You will be fulfilled and satisfied. So when, as you start expecting it, you will start having a hunger for it. And as you have a hunger for it, you'll start drawing it towards you. Amen. And so uh, we just can't be caught up in life or we'll miss this last. There's going to be lots of people that miss this last outpouring. Amen. But if we, and so if we're just caught up in life and caught up in the living of life, just caught up in, in school. And, you know, we just we need God's help so desperately in these last days to be able to separate that which is eternal from that which is temporary, fleeting and passing away. From that which is gold, silver, and precious stones, from that which is just wood, hay, and stubble. We, I need help. You need help because we just need to be able to separate things. And some of us operate. We don't have. We we have a demand on us, a demand for life, and we have to be sure that we keep all that pushed back so that we can keep our focus on God. In Joel two verse twenty three, he talks about this end time outpouring, and he said. Uh, <clears throat> Hallelujah, hallelujah. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And so he talks about three rains. He talks about the former rain, he talks about the latter rain, and he talks about the former and the latter rain together. And then if you go over to James chapter 5, verse 7. Now we know, and uh, uh, we know this from the Word of God, that the former rain began on the day of Pentecost. That on the day of Pentecost, the former rain was poured out. When Brother Parham, when the, when, at the turn of the century, when the outpouring happened in Topeka, Kansas on his Bible college, he prophesied that that was the latter rain. That that was the beginning of the latter rain. And so uh, at the turn of the century in Azusa Street, and, and then, I mean, at Topeka, Kansas, in Azusa Street, and he, actually right before the turn of the century in Russia, the, there was a remnant of people and there was an outpouring. We talked about this last week of an outpouring where the Russian baptized in the Holy Ghost Christians came over into Armenia and prophesied to the Shakarian family to get out of Armenia. And uh, a little boy prophet prophesied to him, and they picked up and they left and they went to California. And Demas Shakarian was that was his family, and he started the Full Gospel Businessmen. And the Full Gospel Businessmen, you may not know anything about it, and it's not it, it, the time of it has passed. I'll tell you, God works with things in seasons, and the time of it has passed. But it was a big vehicle in the '60s and the 70s for the outpouring of the Spirit for the move of God in the earth. He used the full gospel businessmen. There was not churches where you could preach this full gospel, Spirit-filled message. Not very many. And so he took, the, he took the church into the ballrooms of hotels. And the full gospel businessmen met. Was there one here in Tuscaloosa? Anybody know? 
I don't know. Hallelujah. Somebody find out for me. Hallelujah. But anyway, they met in the ballrooms of hotels and people came. And a lot of full gospel businessmen wasn't really even based on preaching, although there was some of that. But it was based on men would get up and give their testimony about how God had baptized them in the Holy Ghost. And, and millions of people were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we are kind of the, the uh, not the first generation of that charismatic movement, but we kind of were the second generation of that charismatic movement. We came out of that indirectly. Our, my grandmother involved in that, and then uh, uh, we got it. Skipped a generation. My parents didn't. You know, my parents were just living life, and they and it, it skipped over them because they weren't interested. And it skipped over to Michael and Debbie Billings. And then it kind of came back and picked up. My, my mom's baptized in the Holy Ghost now, and I know my dad is sought after that, and his wife is baptized in the Holy Ghost, and my dad's open to those things. Uh, so he, he kind of came back to that generation, you know. But uh, there's this... Um, the, the full gospel businessman was the vehicle, and that's kind of past now, but it was a marvelous vehicle. And so God was moving, and, and Brother Parham said, that's the latter rain. And then he said, in about a hundred years, we'll have the former and the latter reign together. And we know James talks about that in James chapter 5. Are you there? I'm not. There I am. Verse uh, 7. Be patient, brethren. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. So we're to be patient, aren't we? Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. So what's God waiting on? Why are we waiting on Jesus to come back? God's waiting on the precious fruit of the earth. People are the precious fruit of the earth. So the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. So God is going to pour out an early and latter rain, and the purpose of the early and latter rain is to get people into the harvest. The precious He wants to bring the precious fruit of the earth in. So there's going to be a mighty outpouring. It's going to be the former and the latter rain together. Hallelujah! And if you'll look in uh, verse chapter one of uh, verse one of chapter five, he says, "Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl." For your miseries that shall come upon you. This is talking about the wicked rich. This is talking about the people that are rich and don't know God. You know that if, boy, they have, and it says, Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. He says, Now, look, look why they're rich. Ye have heaped, heaped treasure together for the last days. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. And then he tells us, he quits, he quits talking to them, starts talking to us. And he starts telling us, be patient, therefore, brethren. And then he says in verse 8, be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. In verse 9, he tells us, he starts giving us some end-time instructions. He says, grudge not one against another. So important when we're in this former and the latter reign, we don't have any grudges against one another. Brethren, lest ye be condemned. Because that will bring a condemnation to us if we are caught 
because it's talking to brethren here, if we are in this former and latter rain outpouring and we're caught with grudges in our hearts, it'll bring a condemnation to us. Or a condemnation is a, is a negative judgment. Anyway, behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction of patience. Um, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord and that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Uh, and so he goes on. He's given us last day's instructions that we uh, be patient, that we wait for the coming of the Lord. So it doesn't matter if it doesn't happen in 2006. We all believe it will. The prophets believe it will. But it doesn't matter. We're going to be patient because we know it's coming. Why? Because we're not going by what we see or how we feel. This is our instrument book. This tells us what's going to happen and so we just hang on to the word we believe the word knowing that we see through a glass darkly I you know uh, uh, we're seeing more and more though because revelation is progressive I remember you know uh, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988 and you say oh well that didn't happen so this may not going to be happen either well yeah but we're seeing more clearly through that glass because revelation is progressive and God's opening up the window bigger so that we can see better Amen. Hallelujah. So, uh, so, so these things are coming. These things are actually upon us. And he said it's be, be very important that we not have any grudges during this time. So if you got any grudges, you need to get rid of them. I mean, I've been examining my heart of late. And I actually just sat in my living room and this is what I did. And I said, okay, because we've been wronged before. We've been wronged a lot of different ways and by a lot of different people. A lot of people have done things that aren't very pleasing to us, aren't pleasing to God, didn't help the church, hurt the church, worked against the church. And I just looked in my heart and I said, okay, if they were to come to my front door right now and ring the doorbell and I was to open the door, would I be glad to see them? And you know, I looked in my heart and I said, there ain't anybody that I wouldn't be happy to see. Now that don't mean I'm going to go out looking for them. How I would if the Lord told me. But I'll be happy to see them. Amen. And happy to see them blessed. So that's a good sign that you don't have any grudges towards anyone. Turn to Acts chapter 1. And it's so important at Word of Life Church because we're asking God for a move of God. And He's wanting to answer our prayer. Hallelujah. And we're asking Him to move more than He's been moving. And I'll just tell you, in recent days, He hadn't been able to move much. And you, I mean, he's moved a little, but he's not moved near like we've wanted and anticipated and believed for. And he couldn't because why? Because the glory couldn't come because the glory is a two-edged sword. And so God's been having to do some rearranging in the body of Christ, and that's okay. Hallelujah. You know, we don't always like it, but, but we've got to trust God that he knows best and he knows what he's doing. And so he's been doing that. And... Um, Hallelujah. But it's in so important. There's a lot of things that we can do. And y'all y'all, y'all are really leaders in the church. There's lots of things that we can do to uh, just keep God from having to go to the lengths that he has to go to sometimes. We can be garters of the kingdom. This church is a part of the kingdom of God. It wasn't birthed in the heart of Michael and Debbie Billings. It wasn't birthed in the heart of any man. But if you had to say a man it was birthed in the heart of, well, you would have to go back to Scott Webb. Well, no, you'd have to go back beyond, because we hadn't even thought of a church in Tuscaloosa when we got to Word of Life Birmingham. But actually, you'd have to go back further than that. If you wanted to attribute it to a man, you'd have to go back to Miss Phyllis, Pastor Scott's wife, who was raised in West Blockton. And because they always shopped in Tuscaloosa, she always wanted to see a, word of faith, a, a work of God, a word of faith, church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So you'd have to go back at least that far. 
Hallelujah. If it was even birth, but you know, I don't think that she, it was birthed in her heart by her flesh. I believe it was birthed in her heart by the Lord. And so she began to influence her husband. And one way she influenced him was not to say, let's start a church, let's start a church. But she's a woman of prayer. And so she just prayed and it, it was an influence in his life. And we showed up at Word of Life Church just seeking the will of God, knowing we were on a journey. We were sojourning in a foreign land and didn't know why we were there, just like Abraham. And, uh, and uh, Pastor Webb did something. He had just started a Bible study in Tuscaloosa with some people that were driving back and forth. And he did something very uncharacteristic of him, and he hasn't done it since. He called us into his office in January. No, actually, he said, meet me for lunch in January of 95, 90, January of 97. He called us into his office and he said, I want you to go down to Tuscaloosa and start the church for me. Now, the man that's doing the Bible study, he wants to start the church, but he, I don't want him to because he doesn't have any experience. And I think it's going to take somebody with experience. He was right. It was going to take somebody that had a little, that had something. It wasn't exactly experience. It was like been through some tough times before and could stand through some tough things. And so he said, I want y'all to go down there and start it, and then y'all can get it started, and we'll turn it over to somebody else, and y'all can move on. Well, when that all, when we began to come down here, we realized, because we'd been on vacation in Birmingham, we kept thinking, this is not feel like home. This feels like we're on a vacation. And when we got to come into Tuscaloosa on Sundays, it was like all week long we felt like we weren't at home, and on Sundays, the one day we were here, we felt like we were at home. And so we went in and told him. We said, well, Pastor Webb, we're supposed to move down there. And he said, well, I'm sorry. I've promised it to three people in front of you. There's three people ahead of you to pastor that church. They all want it. So we didn't argue with the man of God. We just went to the Lord and pray. And we would walk the floor and say, Lord, that's our church. You know it's our church. Wake him up in the middle of the night. We were in his sleep. You wake Pastor Webb up in the middle of the night. You do whatever you have to do to tell that is our church. We're supposed to have it. Amen. And uh, hallelujah. And so one morning we were sitting in a meeting and I said, you, my, my pastor has, my pastor, my pastor, yeah, and my husband has a gift to write letters. And I, and I just got it in my heart. He's supposed to write Pastor Webb a letter. So he wrote Pastor Webb a letter that day. Ooh, it was anointed. And so the next morning he handed it to him. He didn't, you know, if you send it through the mail, it's got to go through secretaries and, you know, it might be a week getting to him. We needed a fast move of God. So he walked up and handed it to him. That was in a morning meeting. That night, he turned to us in the hospitality room. He said, oh, go on down there. He said, go on down there. Because we told him, we won't rebel. We won't come against you. We will not. If you say you can't go, we'll never go. But uh, we know we're supposed to be there. And Michael told him all the reasons. He knew the men that he said, this is the reason it's not his church. This is the reason it's not his church. This is the reason it's not his church. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, and he told him the reasons he knew it wasn't in their church. And, and Pastor Webb said, okay, go on down there. And so we, boy, we had a sign in the yard the next day. Our house was for sale. Amen. Been oh so happy ever since because we're in the will of God. Right in the center of God's will. Even with all the different things that had gone on in Hallelujah. So we started the church in 1997 in February. Moved here in August of 97. And I think Colin and Chris moved in October. Is that right? Well, they lived with us a month. Amen. Bless their hearts. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, they endured for a month. And then uh, I think Myron and Leanne moved in the spring or something of 98. Is that right? And uh, so we, we got down here and we're in this church. And so 
You know, God wants to use people, and he tries, but people won't let him. So some people decided not to let him use them in 2001, and the Lord started over. He had to start over in 2001. And now he had a few of us. There was a few of us. By that time, we had the McDaniels. I believe we had the Ar Arnolds. We had the Nodines. Uh, we had a, there was a few of us that, you know. But he had, and we had uh, John Maroney, I see. And I, I can't remember who else. Uh, Barry. Oh, yeah. He, he's a fixture. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, we had this. Uh, oh, we had the Currington's, too. Yeah, we had the Currentons, they too. Uh, um, anyway, and I can't, if I left you out, forgive me because I'm not trying to. But anyway, uh, but he basically had to start over. He started over with a little remnant. And if you want to believe he started over, all you have to do is look at the uh, attendance records before and the attendance records that a year after, and he started over. Let me tell you, he started over. God started over. Well, the other day he told me, he said, if I have to, I'll start over again. Hallelujah. He will if he has to. He don't want to. But if he has to, he will. Because there's a, we're going to have to, and now this is a, we're coming up to the, the second time that there's tried to be some strife in the church and everything. And I want us to get it right this time. At some point, we're just going to have to get this right. At some point, we're going to have to stand up and say, no, you're not going to tear up God's work. You know, sometimes we think, well, if I listen to people and they're complaining, they're griping, I can fix them. You never will. Amen. You know, you can always tell when people are offended that they're not prayers. You know how I know that? Because I've been offended before, or really, and I've been, I've been offended, and then there's times I've just been tempted to be offended. But as I pray, guess what? As I pray, because I'm a prayer, I pray every day. Sometimes more than others, but I pray every day. And because I'm a prayer, these things get worked out of me. I work them out in prayer. They get worked out. And when somebody doesn't get it worked out, they're just not a prayer. They're not praying. They're not trying. They're just not trying. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, um, this comes back, I preached about two weeks ago on perfectionism. I don't know if it's two or three weeks ago. On perfectionism and how perfectionism would defeat you. Remember that? And I saw this, that even this, you know, when you're offended and you won't forgive and you won't let it go, a lot of times it's perfectionism trying to defeat you. Now, let me explain. See, when you've been hurt, and sometimes, it, it, uh, let's see, 90% of all offense is just misunderstanding. That's all it is. I didn't bring that statistic. I actually read it. 90% of all offense is just misunderstanding. But if you are in the 10% that you've actually been done wrong, and you have actually been done wrong, uh, you know, and maybe it goes back to something really serious. Maybe somebody in your family, uh, if you're, you know, you've seen people on TV that their mother was murdered or their, their kid was murdered, and they said, I will never forgive, I will never let go, you know, and, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. Do you know when you won't forgive... When you won't let go of the grudge, when you won't, a lot of times that's perfectionism. What you want is you want it fixed like it had never happened. And you will not be satisfied unless it's fixed like it had never happened. And guess what? Anytime there's an offense, it can, anytime there's any kind of offense, it can never be fixed like it never happened. I mean, God can heal you, God can touch you, God can take the pain away from all these things, but He cannot fix it like it never happened. Once it's happened, it's happened. 
And so our perfectionism sometimes will rise up and defeat us even in that. It's like, no, I will not be satisfied without perfection. And perfection is my kid come back that was killed. Well, that's not going to happen. So you've got a choice. You're going to either have to let it go. Pray through, get unoffended. because You know, if somebody said something to you that hurts your feelings, whether they meant to or they didn't, doesn't really make a difference. If you want that to be like they never said it, it's never going to be like they never said it. It won't go away. It'll always be, you will always have those words in your, uh, and, and you know, you, you, it'll be in your memory to some degree or another. So let's don't let perfectionism defeat us and cause us to have a grudge saying, no, I've got to go back to perfect or I just can't go on. No, you, 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 can't, you can't ever go back to perfect. And 90% of the time, it's a misunderstanding. 90% of the time, the person that offends you doesn't even know that they offended you, don't even know uh, what it's all about, doesn't even, doesn't even maybe doesn't even remember saying what you think they said. Maybe they didn't even say what you think they said. Maybe you, they, you just thought they meant that and they actually meant something different. Did you ever misunderstand somebody? I know I did. Many times I've misunderstood. I've misunderstood him before. I've got really mad at him before because I misunderstood him. You know, sometimes if a, a spouse messes up, maybe they, uh, they, they do something wrong. It's never going to go back. You can't ever go back till they never did it. They didn't do it. So you have to, you have to just forgive and, and, and let God heal all the hurts and the wounds and all those kind of things. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, so let's don't let perfectionism defeat us on that level either. Verse 14, look at this. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. This is talking about uh, the day of Pentecost when we saw the former rain and when we saw an outpouring of God. And one of the things it says is that they were in one accord. So it's important. Turn to Acts 2, verse 1. You may be surprised how many times it actually repeats this. Acts 2, 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts 2, verse 46. It says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Acts chapter 4. Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company. Say, my own company. God has put you in a company of believers. We're not just in this, uh, well, you know, just float around whatever church you want to go to. No, you've been assigned a company. Amen. And being let go, they went to their own company. And it's so good when you're in a trial to go to your own company. Now, they, when it says being let go, it meant let go out of jail. And when they got let go, they went to their own company. It's good to have your company. And they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with what? With one accord. With one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is and all that in them is. And then he, they go on in 
pray a long prayer, but then they begin to pray and they say, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings in verse 29. And grant unto thy servants, they're praying this in one accord, and grant unto thy servants with all boldness that they may speak thy word. Stretch forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. See, they're in one accord praying this. And when they had prayed in one accord, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Hallelujah. So they weren't thinking about, whoa, offenses and you know, and you saw a lot of times the devil tries to bring offenses because he wants to get us all distracted. So we'll quit praying in one accord. We'll be thinking about things in service. Wonder what this is happening. Wonder what that's happening. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse uh, Acts 4, 23 and 24. Verse 31. It says in verse 31. And when they... Oh, I've read that already. Okay. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> look in verse 33. Well, uh, verse 31 said that the place was shaken. Verse 32, And a multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. There you go, one accord again. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. When you get in one accord, you walk in, a great, in great grace. Praise. When you find your own company, there's great grace. And when you walk in one accord with that company, hallelujah, there is a great grace on you. I can tell you, I have proved this over and over. We've walked in a great grace in Seminole, Texas. It was a, 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 you know, we laugh about it now. And we talk about how the wind blows and the bad weather and all those kind of things. But we used to drive over the hill from, as coming from Seagraves to Seminole, there's kind of a hill at the Gaines County Park. And we would drive over the hill and when we'd get over the hill, we'd say, oh, there's God's town. There's the promise. Now, we thought we were in heaven. We look at it now and go, man, we were blind. <laughs> it don't look like heaven. You know, because now, you know, the anointing for it, the grace that was on us for it has lifted. And there's no more grace for Seminole. You would have to take a horse whip and whip me to make me move back to Seminole, Texas. Why? Because the grace all left. It's hard for me to even just go stay two or three days and visit with Ken folks. I'm like, what were we thinking? And you know, guest speakers would come. Joe Morse being one of them. They would go, and we'd go, oh, this is the promised land. This is God's town. And you know, they looked at us strange, but we didn't really know why they were looking at us so strange. It's like, I wonder what's wrong with them. But you know, they weren't seeing it with the same eyes. I know they were thinking, oh, poor Michael and Debbie. Ooh, poor, poor. What did you do to be banished to Siberia, you know? <laughs> no, 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 no. It, there was so, so, there was, oh, it was awesome. God. It was awesome. Oh, it was just, we were just in, in heaven, you know? Because there was a great grace on us. Well, then we went to Word of Life Church in Birmingham for a year and a half. Such a grace on us in that church. Such favor. Because we were in one accord and all, oh, there was a move of God. And such favor and such grace and people... Man walking up, man, man, people walking up to us, handing us thousand dollar checks, and well, hallelujah, I think we'll go back. No, <laughs> hallelujah, you know, there was a grace, hallelujah, because we were in our company. It was not a long term company, but it was a short term company, but it was our company. And then when we, and you know, ever since we've been in Tuscaloosa, there's been great adversity, there's been opposition, there's been all sorts of things, but such grace has been upon us. And some, I know Jonathan could say that since he came to Word of Life Church and got in his own company, that there's been such a grace upon his life. I don't know if he sees it, but I can tell there's been grace on his life. 
Such blessing on his life. Such grace upon his life. Amen. And we could just go all over the room and say, no, I'm hooked up in my own company. I'm staying in one accord. And so there's great grace upon me. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's important that we, that we guard the grace and that we, uh, we even contend for the grace. And we refuse to get out of the, the, the one accord because it's conditioned for the grace. Amen. Look in chapter 5, verse 12. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, it's daylight and, I don't, I'm, and so I can preach to way past dark. Hallelujah. Chapter 5, verse 12. It says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And we've already read 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, let me, let's go back to 1 Corinthians, because I don't, we didn't read this. If, you know, we read 1 Corinthians 1, verse uh, 5 through 7. But look in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10 now. Paul says, I beseech you. Now, when you say, I beseech you, that's stronger than I'm asking you. It's like I'm begging you. That's what it is. He says, I beseech you, brethren. So he's talking to Christians. That by the, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he doesn't say, I'm asking for this, just me, Paul. He said, but I'm asking this for Jesus' sake. For the kingdom's sake. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That ye all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. That you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. And then he goes on to talk about, it's been declared unto me that there's, there's contentions among you. And so uh, we don't want that to, be, uh, to happen. In one accord means, is the Greek word homothemios, and it means one mind. You may not understand this, but we control whether we're in one mind and in one accord with the brethren. We determine that. We control that. How do we stay in one accord? Well, it's real simple. We put our minds on the things we have in common. You may not agree with me uh, on the uh, uh, pre-Adamic race, but that don't matter. We agree on what we have in common. You may not agree with me and pastor that uh, on, uh, you know, there's people that believe that the church is the bride of Christ. There's people that believe that it's not. It don't really matter, matter whether we are or we're not. That's not, that's irrelevant. What do we do? We agree on the things that we have in common, that we know. We can agree on the virgin birth. We can agree on uh, the, the death, burial, and resurrection. We can agree on the, that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. We can agree on the fact that, that we're baptized in the Holy Ghost and that we speak in other tongues. Hallelujah. And if, we, if you can't agree on that, well, we'll go back up one notch and we'll agree that we're saved. Amen. We can agree on Jesus coming back soon. But if you can't agree on that, you don't think he's coming back soon. And you know, you can find, you can find all sorts of Christians that don't believe he's coming back soon. You can find Christians that, you know, Pat Robertson, does not, he believes in a post-tribulation rapture. And we're going to go through it. We're going to go through all the bad stuff. That's what, but I love Pat Robertson. I think he's a godly man. I think he's doing a good work for Jesus. It don't matter what he believes. We can, we can agree on what we agree on. And you know, hallelujah. And you know, uh, Marilyn Hickey teaches there's going to be a, a pre and mid and she's going she to rapture somebody at every turn. You know, she, did gonna, she wants one all. I, you know, but Marilyn Hickey is an awesome woman of God. 
Hallelujah. And so in the greater body of Christ, we stay in one accord by focusing on what we have in common. And that's how we do in the church. We just stay on what we have in common. We just keep our eyes on Jesus. You know, if I start looking, I can find some faults with Jonathan. Now, I think Jonathan's pretty awesome. I think he's a real awesome. I think he's a catch for all the single women. Now, but you have to, they have to pass the test with me and his mother. Hallelujah. But I think he, but, but you know, I could find some things. I bet I could find some. I bet his mother could tell us some of his weaknesses and his faults. You know? And you know, y'all know y'all. Anybody that preaches as much as we preach, y'all can find some things. It's not hard. Anytime you open your mouth a lot, people are going to know your weaknesses. They're going to know the where you messed up. And you know, when you call to preach, you just open your mouth a lot. And so you mess up, you say things wrong, you say things, you know, I could pick pastor, you know, him and I both are notorious for this. He'll start a sentence and then he'll think of something else when he's preaching and he won't finish the sentence. And so whatever he said sounds like, no, uh-uh, that's not right. I'm going, that's not right. That's not, but, it, but he's just because he didn't finish his sentence. I know he knows that what's right. And I do the very same thing. He'll come, we'll come home, he'll say, you know, you didn't finish that sentence and it sounded like you said that everybody's going to go to hell or something like that. <laughs> but I didn't say that. I don't believe everybody's going to go to hell, but I just, you know, I just got to talking faster than the brain was working. Amen. And so, you know, we could pick each other to pieces, but it'd be better for us to focus on Jesus. It'd be better to focus on what we have in common. Amen. I'm going to hurt your feelings sometimes. I don't mean to. I'll tell you right now. I need to pass out cards. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. You know, not trying to point you out or pick you out. You know. But I may hurt your feelings. Sometimes it might just be the Holy Ghost stepping on your toes. Hallelujah. Uh, so so we focus on what we have in common. Uh, another thing we do is we, uh, we, we just refuse to put our minds on what we disagree on. Hallelujah. You know, I'm not going to convince you. If you're post-tribulation rapture, I'm not going to convince you. And I can tell you, you aren't going to convince me. And, I, I, and you know, one thing, we have some friends, uh, Johnny Gooding, and uh, I don't know if they'd still call us friends, but we <laughs> used to be friends. <laughs> I still call them friends. If they'd be, they knocked on my front door, I'd be glad to see them. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Actually, just was in a bathroom in Post, Texas one day and saw her. I'm like, Go, stop to go to the bathroom in a foreign town. and she's, You never know when you're going to run into people. That's why you got to live right. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, <clears throat> you'll be on that cruise ship and you'll think nobody's there. Nobody will know you're drinking that whatever you're drinking. But there will be somebody from Tuscaloosa County there. Somebody probably from Word of Life Church. You know, or somebody that knows somebody from Word of Life Church. And they'll be like, I saw that, that person. Don't they go to your church? And they was drinking them whatevers and they couldn't walk straight when they left that you know that'll I promise you you better live right you better live right you better live right you better live the same on Saturday night as you live on Sunday morning amen because if you don't God will have to run you out the back door of the church so the glory won't get you amen hallelujah okay uh, <clears throat> So what was I talking about? Huh? Okay, Johnny Gooding. You know, one thing, here's what we decided to agree on, on Johnny Gooding. He said, I can't tell you what, I'm going to go on the first train out. 
So how many of you would agree with me that if you're wrong and it's not post, you're, you still want to, if you're wrong, do you want to wait? Or would you like to take the first train out? So let's all just say, post, pre-mid or post, we're going to go take the first train out. Amen. We're all going to go. So we can agree on that, can't we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I hope you wouldn't want to wait. Um, two primary conditions, we're closing with this, uh, to one accord. No strife, no division. You can't be in one accord and have strife and division. And the other condition to uh, a one accord is to have a common cause around which we can rally. You can't be in one accord with somebody if you don't have a common cause that you can rally around. Now, uh, we have a common cause in this church. And you're like, okay, I'm not sure if I know what the common cause is. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, and we're going to close on this. And I'll give you three scriptures for it. But the whole thing about Word of Life Church, you know, there's different churches. They have a different uh, goal, or they have a different vision. They have a different uh, what they're trying to accomplish. Maybe they have a different assignment from God. You know what I'm saying? Some churches are very evangelistic oriented. That's all they think about is evangelism. They don't think about nothing else. I know there's a church over in Birmingham. That's all they think about is evangelism. Nobody ever grows up. Nobody ever matures. But they are evangelistic. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, if that's what God's put in that pastor's heart, that's great. And that's what he ought to do. And he can't do anything else if that's what he is. But here's what Word of Life Church, this is our common cause that we rally around. And that is, there's three scriptures. John 10, 10. This is the common cause. I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. From the very day that we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, this has been our heartbeat, our passion, me and pastors, is that we, that, that we help people lead the abundant life. We found out, you know that song, I found a new way of living? We were Baptists and we found a new way of living when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And got, especially when we got hooked up to the Word of God. We found a new way of living. So ever since we found the new way of living, we wanted other people to have the new way of living. We used to live with sickness and disease. Colin, I, had, he, I didn't have the new way of living when he was a baby, and I had a standing appointment with the pediatrician in Lubbock. My car just went to Lubbock every Monday morning so he could go see the pediatrician because he, like I've told you before, he had a little diarrhea problem. <laughs> Actually, he had, probably it was food allergies. I, I mean, he didn't ever drink milk. He drank prosoby, if anybody knows what prosoby is. It's soybean milk. It's nasty. It looks bad, smells bad, and tastes bad. Anyway, but his whole little childhood, he drank prosoby. And, uh, uh, and, and his mother and dad were living that old life. We didn't know anything else to do. My old grandmother, she is filled with the Holy Ghost, so she said, Well, Debbie, why don't you anoint him with oil? And see, I'm Baptist. I don't know anything about it, but I'm tired of going to the doctor. I'm tired of him having diarrhea all the time. And so I'm going in there, and I'm like, Well, okay, what kind of oil? You know, I never heard of this. So I had baby oil, so I just anointed him with baby oil. You know, God healed him and touched him. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure it didn't last because I probably had it spoke back into being soon. But then when he was about three, I think it was, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we found a new way of living. And he was taking allergy shots every week. And we found a new way of living. And man, we believed God and we got him off the allergy shots. Amen. 
And we found a new way of living, and he was about six. He fell and broke his arm one night. I want to think it was on a Friday night. Yeah, it was. He was riding his bicycle, and he fell and cracked his arm. And uh, we didn't know it was cracked, but he cried all night, all night long. And so uh, we took him to the doctor the next morning. Andrews, Texas, and two doctors looked at the x-rays and said, it's cracked. They put it in a sling, said, come back Monday morning, we'll put it in a cast. I guess they didn't want to mess up their Saturday to put it in a cast. And so, but that was probably, probably God. Because we kept speaking the word. We used that scripture about Jesus. Actually, he, he keepeth all his bones and none of them are broken. And we spoke that scripture. He keepeth all his bones and none of them are broken. And we left for Tulsa. Uh, we had a, an appointment with God in Tulsa at... Uh, uh, what was that camp meeting? My mom and, and her husband had given us the trip. So we left on Sunday for Tulsa. My mom said, don't worry about it. I'll take him to the doctor on Monday. Don't worry about it. She took him to the doctor and they said, well, it, it's not cracked. And threw the sling away. Amen. Well, it was cracked. Two doctors said it was, but the word healed him. See, we found a new way of living. So our passion is to teach this word and to uh, help people find a new way of living. Because we were in religion and it was not a good way of living. We were in debt up to our eyeballs, farm debt. Farm debt, you know. We'd borrowed money to farm and, and oh, praise God, you just can't know the pressure. And we found a new way of living. And joy, we had joy. Oh, we had joy like a river. And love, hallelujah, I didn't ever love nobody at that Baptist church till I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden I loved them and they noticed. They were like, wow, she's different. You know, but now, and you know, hallelujah, been loving people ever since. Hallelujah. And so that's, and then Colossians 1, verse 25. If you want to know a common cause that go, that were God, and this is the scripture God has given us about uh, uh, the uh, call of God on our lives. Hallelujah. So we're not a church whose primary goal is to get people saved, although in getting people to the abundant life, sometimes if they're not in salvation, they have to go through that. You know what I'm saying? In other words, you can't get them to abundant life without salvation. So, some, but but we we don't we don't just think, oh, how what's the next evangelistic outreach we can have? Because we're, we're all about teaching the word and abundant life. That's and if that's your vision, you need to hook up here real strong. If you really want people to have the abundant life, if you want to dig religion out of their lives and teach them. You know, one of the, the things they say, if you go to these church growth things, or, you know, and they say, find your specialty, what you're good at. Well, I'll tell you what our specialty is at this church. It's real easy. And it's not just my specialty, but all over this church, it's y'all's specialty too. It's teaching. That's our specialty. I mean, children's church, we don't have, we may not have a lot of flash and dash, but boy, we're going to teach the Word. In youth, we may not, you know, we're not entertaining them to the level some youth groups are. But more, we're teaching the Word. Amen. In fact, all we think about is how's another way we could teach the Word. Healing school. What else could we, when else could we have healing school another time of the week? When else could we, you know, oh, could we have leadership meetings? Because we got to teach the Word. That's all we think about is teaching the Word. That's all we think about. Now, Brother Avery, he's totally different. You know, and when we go to have a guest speaker, you know who we want to have? You know when I have the very most fun? When we have somebody that teaches the Word. Because you know what we were raised on? Teaching. We were raised on Brother Copeland and Brother Hagen and teaching, teaching, teaching. So when I get really excited, it's when they come in and teach and have Holy Ghost too. That's when I really get excited. Because, you know, I got that Pentecostal in me from my great-grandmother and so forth. But, um, Brother Avery, now I've noticed 
he don't, he, he don't hardly ever have a teacher in. You know why? Because he has an evangelist. I mean, if he wants to have somebody in, if he wants to have him a really good time, he gets him an evangelist to come in. Why? Because that's all he thinks about is Russia and going to win souls. And that's all he thinks about. Because that's, and they see, that's what God's put him in. Put in. Amen. Uh, you know, Matt Davis, the one that preached while Eric West was here. And now Matt, Matt's the, Michelle's brother. We, were la we laughed about this. Don't take this off the tape, Pastor, but I'll say it anyway. But he's, he's, he's an evangelist. All he thinks about is serving evangelism. So they, he decided he was going to take pastor's tapes on the tithe, and he was going to teach on the tithe. And so uh, Eric said he preached on the tithe for about five minutes, and he said, now you ought to tithe because of servant evangelism and preach the whole rest of the message on <laughs> servant evangelism. I mean, he just can't stay off. That is what he's called to. He can't stay away from it. That's all he's, he just can't, he can't preach on the tithe just straight through because he's got to talk about servant evangelism. That's what he burns with. Amen. So, and, and you know, we're happy about that. That's not a criticism. That's just an evaluation of, of what he's called to. But Colossians 1 verse 25, we're closing, I promise. Colossians 1, verse 25. Oh, this doesn't look... Yeah, it does. Where, where have I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God? Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's all we think about is getting this message. How could we get this message of Christ in you to the people of Tuscaloosa County? How could we get this message? Uh, how could we dig up this old dead religion that they live in and get them leading the abundant life, getting them to know who they are in Christ? How could we get this? And that's all we're always, always pushing for. We're always pushing in our prayers for that. I know there's people that all they push for is souls. God, give me souls. Oh, God, give me souls. Well, you know, everybody can't be for souls or nobody would ever grow up. Some people, you know, after you win them, if you don't grow them, they stay babies forever, you know? And so we want to do that. And then, of course, the third scripture I'll give you that is our whole, if you want to know what the common cause that we want to rally around in this church is Romans 12 too. Which it said, where it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we, the whole thing, you know, I, that, that's what I focus in on. I'm constantly want my mind more renewed. That's why I listen to tapes to renew my mind. More and more, I listen to CDs. I, I want my mind renewed. Hallelujah. That's why I read books. That's why I read my Bible. When I read my Bible, I'm thinking about, oh, getting my mind renewed. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that's our common cause in this church. That's what we all rally around is the Word of God and these three things. And so you pray about those things. And we stay focused on our common cause and we stay focused on Jesus and we stay focused.